Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. Okay, folks, here we go. This is going to be a wild one and fun. I'm introducing you to a ninja. And it's going to be pretty obvious from the conversation that this guy and I are friends. He's a good friend. I love this guy. I think you're going to love him too. Sit back, enjoy. I don't have much else to say about it except... If you want to check out the video of this podcast, which is a great idea to do, by the way, it's worth it. Go to the Assembly of Silence YouTube channel. Link in the show note description. If you would like to support these efforts, you know what to do. The two main things are, you know, like, subscribe, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? Write a review on iTunes. And then there's Substack, taijireality.substack.com, T-A-I-J-I-R-E-A-L-I-T-Y. Or, if you just want to go right in there and throw some money to me, patreon.com slash taijireality. That's it. Enjoy the show. No, my light, I turned my lights off because it was really bright. That's funny because I turned my heater off and that's why the computer bombed. <laughs> nice. And can you see Jesus up there? Yeah, I can. I can see him. Okay, good. <laughs> just want to make sure that he's in the picture. Yeah, with a, with a, what is that, a three-pointer, four-pointer surrounding? I don't know. I don't know how to count the points. My buddy gave me some elk and said I could keep it in my shop. And I said, okay. And then I just stuck a velvet Jesus up there. And there it is. You were telling me about last night. So I ate a handful of mushrooms with a good friend of mine last night. And um, so the, the back story is he works in... Um, he works at Trillium. So it's like the children's farm home out on Highway 20. So he works with uh, youth that essentially can't be put in prison that have had really fucked up life situations. And then they're dealing with that. Some of them are violent. Some of them are suicidal. Some of them just are fucked. They're damaged goods. And he's because of his nature, he's a very strong. He's got uh, he's, he's native blood. He's got an intense connection to source and to the earth. And he's a grounding rod for a lot of these kids. And so consequently, with the whole nature of COVID and where everybody's at right now, he's kind of like a fucking daddy, father figure, protector figure. And he's he's getting worn the fuck out, you know. And so we needed some time just to have some dude time last night. And it just so happened I had a box of mushrooms. So we found all around. Right, 10 o'clock, just gobbled a handful and then went for a walk around the, the industrial park down below my property for a few hours and just had a great time. The thing that got really weird is when we came back up here in the peak of our experience, I get a text from one of my, he's a good friend, but he was a student of mine in my martial arts school. He literally said, my wife died last night and I'm looking to basically get back out and see the guys and hang with people that I know right now and then that was the end of the day he's like i'm just looking forward to seeing you guys you know i'm like what in the fuck so here we are frying balls and then i get a real message from a real fucking person that says his wife died last night i know uh-huh. nothing around the specifics or anything we were spun so i tried calling him just to, to, to touch base find out he didn't answer his phone he hasn't answered any text and i'm just like what in the absolute fuck is going on mm-hmm. so anyway i just woke up and, you know, it's because we stayed up late, but. Uh... Okay. We're going to pause the recording then.
So I don't know if you've heard any of that. No, I didn't. So I apologize for that. So James just called me in that moment. So that's how spirit works. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Um, So I told him I would call him as soon as I was done with this because I said I was in the middle of talking about him. (laughs) So life was going on. I don't know what my train of thought was before that, but um, oh yeah. So 2020 showed me one thing and that is nobody's getting out of here alive and I'm okay with that. And I think that's the problem that people are not able to reconcile right now is that nobody's getting out of here alive. And so what is being used against the human mind right now, whether we know it or not, or whether we mean to do it or not, is we're all facing death as a, as a absolute species and it's freaking us the fuck out. And you're going to either pick stay scared road or you're going to you're going to become a real human and just admit that you don't have control over anything and get on with your life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I feel 20 has done for me is like, get on with your life. You know, absolutely. Fuck. Yeah, it's fascinating, too, because there's a huge thread where a lot of people are thinking that they're going to live forever in cyberspace and you know, the sort of transhumanist sense of immortality that, you know, I want to live forever. What was that song in the 70s or something that, you know, really is kind of a banner concept in the fame? Let's say, yeah, I guess it was fame, right? So it seems like that um, idea really grasped the balls of a lot of people. And, uh, you know, there's a guy who uh, who developed a theory about human nature that says that basically the whole thing is built on the denial of death. And I don't know whether or not that would have been the case in the past. I really don't think it was. I think that the indigenous people fully understood that at least as far as this particular body, this particular life is concerned, it's a limited lease. But um, but it seems like, you know, the the so-called modern man seems to have forgotten that most basic of facts, or at least is trying to push it out of their thought process as much as possible. And the consequences are freaking horrible. But on the other hand, it is sort of what keeps the the play going. It's like the the little lie that, well, the big lie that um, that prevents the whole thing from crumbling. So it's dangerous stuff, I guess you could say. You know, I think the underlying phenomenon, and this is something I've been thinking a lot about for a lot of years, especially in my study of, you know, where are we, like actually physically, where are we with in relationship to earth and potentially heaven, right? To actually spatially orient myself to those two realities has really made me come down to this one common denominator. And it's pretty crass, but it's essentially men and women basically can't stop fucking. And so we just keep making babies and keep promulgating this, this thing, right? Like at any point, any indigenous person could say, yeah, we're not going to make any kids. We're going to be the last ones in this track. Fuck it. We're going out hard. And they quit fucking, they quit making babies. And then they all die old spirit warriors. No, nobody does that shit. Everybody keeps making babies and struggling their ass off and trying to get food and trying to keep warm. And then while we're, we get comfortable, we start making more babies again. It's like, I think that there's a, a real bio, um, it's a bio spiritual drive to, to make babies, you know, no matter, even if you're transgender or gay and you can't make babies, your two women are not going to produce a child in nature. Right. But they still want a baby if they want a baby. So it comes down to that. And so for some reason, I think when we make babies, 
we literally, it kind of gives us that, it takes the edge off of us thinking we're going to die or remembering we're going to die. Mm. And so then we get to an age where like, fuck, I'm going to die. We got to make some babies, we need some grandbabies running around here. Like that makes you feel like you live on, I think. Yeah, um, I think- and I think idiocracy actually nailed it when they said the dumb people are outbreeding the intelligent people. And that's pretty much the source of all of our problems. Well, it seems like there's some uh, shift in some part of the population now because we have this thing like in Japan, for instance, where there's a lot of younger folks who just don't want to have kids anymore. Uh, it's become kind of a real thing over there. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that happening here, too. Uh, maybe to some extent that explains the whole transhumanist dream of being able to live forever in cyberspace. They kind of like transplanted their dreams of immortality from having children to uh, being able to just continue in the virtual space, I guess. But, um, you know, there are some other uh, instances of this kind of thing. I think it is true that a number of native groups decided, OK, we're done. Like, this is this is it. And uh, I think there's some groups from, from the West, too. You had the the Shakers, I believe, were a group that decided, OK, we're not no more kids, you know, Um I don't know of any others, but I think that 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 was one of their things. So clearly it's something that people have been struggling with for a long time. And it does seem like that might be a way of characterizing one of the big pivots going on right now, because my sense is like, you know, kind of one of the main things that I'm one of the real reasons I'm continuing to do this is there's a, a set of ideas that I think are worth articulating. And one of them has to do with this idea that a species is kind of characterized by its number of nodes in relation to the world that it's in. So we're kind of getting to the point where the social insects were, where the population density is such that there's going to be, uh, well, increased pressure to not have so many kids. And I think we're starting to see that in some of the stuff that's going on within the, uh, within the woke world, you could say. So there, it, it starts to make sense that you would have uh, a species that converts from everyone having the capacity to reproduce to only a few, or maybe it would become more of a mechanical process, which is, you know, from my point of view, a freaking nightmare. But uh, that doesn't mean that it's totally unnatural and without precedence. Um, it just changes, changes the whole landscape of what being human is. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a lot to consider. I, you know, it's interesting. Whenever you talk, you always uh, can take me like I can go visually where you're, you know, where you're talking, even though it may have my visualization that may have nothing to do with what you're saying. But what I saw there was kind of like that um, out of the ashes sort of a thing where we'll we literally will kind of by the natural cycle. And it may not look the way I want it to look, but <laughs> we're going to have a natural cycle of, of decreased population growth. I don't, I don't think, and, I, and I'm uh, an outlier all the time with everything I think, but I don't think we have too many people in the world. I think that we're just approaching the way we live here really in a very weak sense. We're not honoring the place. We're not looking towards abundance. We're always looking towards scarcity. And part of that's something we've been sold, but it's also this kind of, again, that your death. I was like, there's not going to be enough. So then we run around with my, like mice over consuming, knowing there won't be enough in the future. So fuck it. Let's just party now kind of a thing. Um, but I do see a, 
it's just, I think there's nothing new under the sun. We're going to ebb and flow. You know what I mean? And there's going to be ups and downs. And right now, like you said, it's a pivot. We are literally experiencing the biggest pivot I've ever seen in my life where people are going to have to make a choice how they want to move forward. And it has to be silent. It can't be outward because otherwise people put you in a camp. Like I am, uh, like I said, as an outlier, I'm, you know, somebody that refuses to get vaccinated. I will not vaccinate my children. And we live in a world right now where it's kind of becoming, they want it to be a popular, cool thing to do to get vaccinated, regardless of what side anybody stands on with vaccinations or their understanding of them. You have to wonder why it, they're pushing it so hard into the minds of people that, you're, that you should do this because you're a bad person if you don't, and you're a good person if you do. And how are we going to convince those non-science minded people that don't believe what they're told? You know, it's like when you actually think for yourself and you realize you are an autonomous spiritual being, you can make your own choice. For some reason, that's a threat to people right now. All of that, is, you know, folds in perfectly with the idea that the characteristic of the species changes depending on the number of nodes. You know, it's like kind of a question of, well, are there too many human beings? Well, too many for what? Too many for what kind of way of living? You know, and it may be that, yeah, it's like, yeah, we can support the population we have going on right now, but are we going to be able to have a, a classical liberal, uh, you know, democracy? Maybe not. You know, I mean, we have we were, we've been struggling with uh, systems that we have for quite a while. We all know that there's all kinds of problems with them. And, you know, the Chinese model, which keeps on coming up, it's it's a nightmare, but it kind of addresses a number of the major points. So, you know, one, one of the things that you read in the Taoist text is, you know, particularly if you're reading like the strategy of uh, art of war, that type of thing you know, the, the coherency within a, uh, a group of people determines the degree to which they have uh, a robust mm. ability to assert themselves, whether militarily or culturally or what have you. So the problem with uh, liberalism on, on a basic level is that it doesn't necessarily have any kind of group-wide coherency. And when you get a lot of people involved, then the arguments and the problems become ever more uh, an obstacle to getting shit done. And you could say on some level that that's precisely what's been happening in our democracy. Like we basically have gridlock because no one can agree on shit. Everybody's got feelings. Everyone has feelings, right? Some people have thoughts yeah, too. Yeah. Everyone has feelings. That's for yeah. Sure. And some people have thoughts. Yeah. And it's one big mess. <laughs> some of <them>. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's like at a certain point, the hammer comes down, you know, the people who have the greatest ability to assert their way of going about doing things uh, say, fuck it. We need to get something lined up here so that we have a functional system. And, you know, their idea of functional may not be our idea of functional. And another side of this thing, too, is that, you know, typically all this kind of thing happens during a, a, a major crisis, a crisis on a kind of global environmental level. And so it may be that there's a, you know, a thread of humanity that goes one way and another, let's say, remnant that goes a different way. So it's it's not entirely clear that we are all going to go the same way, although there's probably going to be efforts to make it go that way. They want everyone to get vaccinated, like you're saying, you know. Well, yeah, and I mean, you start thinking about that. 
um, what you're talking about, the coherency, what I, what I see is that through, it's like the order out of chaos thing, right? That's just a normal cycle of every moment of our existence. And so the power players in this world who are very weak, feeble people, they assert power through the belief that others around them have in their power. They don't have, nobody has any power to control people. They present an idea, whether that's the media, whether it's a government, whether it's a bankster, it doesn't matter. An idea is presented, it gets seeded and it gets basically fertilized and they live off of it until we quit eating it. So under the, like, for instance, you and I've talked about money. Okay. So money's the big one right now because nobody's talking about it. Nobody, everyone wants to talk about the politics. Are you red? Are you blue? Who'd you vote for? You know, if you think that, then you're this and all this dumb stuff. But nobody's talking about the actual issue, which is energy. In order to motivate somebody to do something for somebody else that will benefit both parties, we've all agreed we need some sort of exchange for that because we're still acting like children and don't realize that the real world doesn't need fake fiat currency to trade around. We can actually just interact as human beings and figure it out. But we're taught that, no, no, no. You can't do that. You have to use this thing that somebody is said is real. And oh, by the way, um, that's literally going to make you, it's going to incentivize you to make all the choices in your life. And you're going to have no idea why you're actually doing it. And then when you wake up and realize, oh, this is meaningless. It's too late. You're in the matrix. You have to pay your bills. You, you know, you pretty much want to um, clean, right? You're going to have to go somewhere where there's clean fucking water. And that today costs like two twenty-five a bottle. You know, so we live in this world that's been constructed around us. And even if we want to liberate ourselves from it, we're in it. Like you live out in the in the country and you still have to make a living. You know, I mean, this is how it's worked. We were set up into a system that is non-real, but it's got real consequences. And so people who are attuned on any kind of level of love, we know it's not right and we can't do anything about it. So our lot in life is to get good with it the best that we can try to liberate ourselves the, the best moral, legal, and ethical way we can and not put our, like with, in my case, I have children. If I go off grid and go live as a hermit somewhere in the woods and pull them out of school, I might be doing them a massive disservice for the rest of their life because this is the system that they're in. Yeah. So I've opted to try and teach them how to thrive within this bullshit system, but I call it bullshit right to their face all the time. I say, I know this doesn't make any sense. I know you don't like this, but walk like a duck, squawk like a duck until you can get to the place where you can liberate yourself legitimately but don't pretend that it doesn't exist because i fought the system forever and it didn't serve me very well right so you have to basically mesh in like sun tzu says you or actually masashi said to soak in right you have to become what it is that you have a disdain for like this material world we live in i'm very spiritually minded i live way more in that realm and in a place of all the intangibles and unprovables the gut level stuff that's where i live and I've gotten phenomenal results in my life with interactions with other people living there. When I live more in the material realm, um, I don't get the same results. Yep. There's always some balancing act. It's like, I, it's almost like there's a, an interesting corollary. Let's say you save up money because you want to get something, you know, like a newer car because your car you're in every day has a bad defrost. The brakes are shitty. The door won't close on the first close. You got to slam it twice. So you're like, well, I want to get a newer rig, not even a brand new car, just a newer rig. So you're like, well, I need a few grand to go get this one that's down the road. And it's going to be a much better rig for me. So then you take out a small loan or you work out a payment plan with this person. Well, that's just for a car. 
we don't realize how much our lives are wrapped up into these little things that we need to spend money on legitimately, rightfully so. Um, but we live unconscious lives because of that demand everywhere around us all the time. You know, this phone that I'm looking at you on, uh, I think it was $800. And so we decided to pay for it over monthly installments. Well, almost everybody's got one of these fuckers in their pocket right now. Think about that. And we're slaves upon slaves upon slaves upon ideas of slaves. So at some point, you just have to just say, hey, it is what it fucking is. Put your energy somewhere and try to make the world a better place in your little corner of the world. That's all I got Certainly. at this point. Like, I went with... Go ahead. Uh, there's there's a long history of various forms of enslavement. And, you know, I, I wonder often, like, the extent to which the average human experience has been one that's been of freedom. It seems unlikely. Like, even in small groups, I imagine that probably there were those characters who dominated the scene and who uh, enforced their way. And uh, and that if you weren't one of those people, you were, you know, living under that kind of, let's say, coercion. And if you were one of those people, you were living in constant fear of being overturned, you know, kind of like the way it works with uh, with some of the other primates. And um, so, you know, it, it's probably the case that this is the situation that we've always been dealing with. And it, I agree 100 percent that the that redemption is found within the spiritual domain because the material world ain't never going to be ideal you know so the best we can do is to find peace within us and uh and come to terms with the reality of the situation that we're in you know i'm not really sure that that you know on one hand i agree with you that the people in power are not powerful but that's just on a personal level, because, you know, the fact of the matter is that they can do terrible things to people. And that is sort of, that's sort of what power is. And so, mm -hmm. you know, fundamentally, they may be also kind of enslaved to their position in the same way that we are. Uh, nevertheless, if they're going to fulfill the role of that office, let's say, they're going to be coming down hard on people when they need to, because that's what the office entails. So, you know, we are up against something that's that's uh, that's formidable, you know, like particularly in a world like today where the the disparity is so great. You know, the, the technology is so highly developed and so ruthlessly destructive when it needs to be. Uh, the idea that, you know, there's going to be some sort of a revolution or something like that, I, f I find, you know, absurd, really. I mean, if there's going to be a revolution, it's going to be because they want one. That's that's the only revolution that's going to happen now. Well, it'll be a televised revolution. It's like the yeah. storming of the Capitol. You, I mean, if, if you watch those videos and don't take stock for one moment that somebody videotaped that to, for your entertainment. Like there was a cameraman taking taking great shots the whole time, documenting everything. It's like, you know what that means? That means it's bullshit. That's how <laughs> life works. I'm sorry, but organic <laughs> events where there are, you know, career altering for a country don't get televised perfectly and then broadcast on schedule. I'm sorry. That's not how shit works. Well, you know, on the other hand, everyone is everyone is walking around with a little camera in their pocket. So, you know, but yeah, yeah I agree. And in, 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 I think the, the real telltale thing were all the big freaking banners. It's like, oh, let's go storm the Capitol. No, let's wait and make some huge banners that say the name of the guy who's at yep. fault. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> so, but think about that for a second. Like you had the audacity to actually make a observation. And so this is the, this is what I've been bumping up against in my life, especially as you know, I'm a major outlier on every, you name any topic. I'm pretty much that guy over in the corner. That's the conspiracy <laughs> nut. <laughs> but here's the thing. The reason why you become a bit of a label as somebody who's a conspiracy guy <clears throat> is because when you peek behind the curtain and look at anything, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. There's always multiple uh, perspectives to look at things from. And I have chosen to look at the ones that have some mystery involved. And what I've noticed is that most people are scared to death to peek behind the curtain, to even kick the tires and find out what it's like. So, of course, I make grand assumptions based on you know whatever it is that I'm diving into. Um, and that polarizes a lot of people because they're uh, they're afraid to look in one sense or they're like, nah, nah, that's the best scientific proof I get whenever I get into a debate. Like, for instance, I always tell people at work, I can disprove gravity and I do it to their face over and over and over. And I've got a bunch of guys in there that are one of them is a he's getting his Ph.D. in physics right now. And he's working as a part time kind of like truck driver, garbage dump, sweep the parking lot, pick up trash guy while he goes to school. And he takes off middle of the day to go to his classes and, you know, and finish his degree. And basically him and I get into these discussions where I disprove gravity. I tell him the his the historicity of how we came to understand gravity and all that. And he goes, well, but uh, because he's never been told this stuff, he's never been taught the core, the opposite of what they teach. So they teach him one thing. They start him out with Newtonian physics and they say this dude proposed a thing way back when. And then we go on down the line. They talk about all the greats. They never talk about the dissenters. They never talk about Tesla. They never talk about the things that actually um, disprove all of their theories. And they just run off after theory, after theory, after theory. And that's what our modern education is based off in that one area. And he doesn't know the opposite. He's never looked at it. So to him, it doesn't exist. He's like, nuh-uh, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. And his thinking is so cult-like, it's mind-boggling. And so what I've had to really come to grips with is that people are under a spell, everybody, myself included, and we come to this world with so many preconceptions. And then as we grow and we learn and we dig into different issues, let's say I want to learn about anything. Uh, let's take music. Or no, let's take foosball because I'm a foosball player, right? I like that stupid game where you just fucking hit a little table soccer, hit a little ball around. But I got like, for instance, I just recently got the tournament table, the professional table. It's like a $2,000 I got a good price. I had to drive all the way up to Kenmore, Washington to get it, brought it home. And in the last two months of playing on a thing, I'm, my game has gone to a level I can't even comprehend. And then COVID's happening. So I can't go out and whoop everybody's ass like I want. And so I'm sitting at home, just like spinning my wheels, wanting to just crush people. And I can't do it because I finally reached that professional level that I wanted to get to, but I don't have anybody to play. <laughs> like I've, anybody in my local area, they, they're scared of COVID and they don't want to come over to my house to play. What are the pro so, guys doing? Same thing I'm doing. They're, yeah. they're losing their fucking mind. Because foosball players, like any addictive person, like golfers, whatever, they, they need it. They got to be shoulder to shoulder. They got to be doing this stuff. Everybody's losing their shit right now. That's what's happening. And everybody's doing underground shit. They're not talking about it, but they got groups. And everybody's getting together. And it's, it's comical. Because, I mean, foosball players, once you get hooked on it, you're, you're in. You're an addict. But anyway... The reason why I segued there is because I have gone into that game. I built a table myself 20-some years ago. I made a foosball table with these fucking hands, played on it for 20 Whoa. years, and it held me back because the table was, it wasn't the same exact speed, table, density, all that stuff was a little different. And so 
I would go to these tournaments and play these professionals. And basically I'd always fall short because I'd have to make up for the, the differences in the tables. And it's a big leap when you're playing at a professional level, these guys are machines. I mean, it sounds corny, but even people who don't play foosball, when they walk into a foosball tournament room, the air is thick. It's like really intense. And when people are playing a match, your heart gets going. Even if you don't even know what you're watching, there's a weird intensity about it. And that's a dumb, stupid bar game. That's a game you play in a tavern. Guys, they used to have ashtrays on the table. Okay, They used to have make tables with ashtrays built, built in, in to them. Okay, That's how white trash this game is. Okay, And I love it. Because it's infinite. It's like uh, it's like a violin. You know, let's say some caveman picked up a violin with a bow. I mean, it's, the possibilities are endless. That's only one thing in this world. You know, and so when you do that and you apply that back to education, I've done that. I've applied that same intensity with, well, how's the world work? Okay, what is this place we've been told? And then you dig in, you learn their model, their system, their theories. And then you test those against the actual experiences you have. And you find out they're not the same. There's Narnia where everything is possible. It's been created and they've got all these ideas. And in Narnia, you could do all this stuff. But in our world, we, we don't live in Narnia. We live in the real world. And when you try to explain somebody who's been trained in Narnia land, i.e. modern cosmological physics, you try to explain to them anything that they're actually experiencing. Like, no, 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 we're experiencing. Think that because you feel that. But what we've actually proven and learned is that this is how it actually works and it's all bad well it's interesting because in a way we live in a mixture of narnia land and uh i don't know what is this thing that we're in you know the the the, the world of the ideal and the world of the real are constantly interacting with each other and the thing that's strange that keeps happening over and over again is that People get some kind of an idea and they think, oh, yeah, this is the shit, right? And they try to turn it into the world of the real and they forget that it's just an idea. And that happens over and over and over again in all aspects of human existence. So it's it's a very difficult thing for people to keep keep it clear, like, well, where is the realm of the conceptual and how does it relate to what's physically happening here? You know, there's there's a relationship but it's not the same world. Those are two different things. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the realm of the being and the realm of the material. Mm. Now I know that's an arguable point. Well, if uh, it's like Feynman said, yeah. What did Feynman say? So everything's arguable. Well, you remember that, and I have your, um, your book Feynman's lost lecture and it has a, um, an audio, cd that comes with it so you can listen to him talk and i have a lot of respect for Feynman, even though i disagree with modern cosmological physics it takes a brilliant mind um to even work out and suss out some of these concepts mathematically but that's what's happened is you've taken a bunch of brilliant minds they took what they thought they were seeing with the motion of the sun moon and stars which clearly are moving around us right but then we were told no 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 we can actually flip it and invert it and we're actually the ones that are moving. And these other things, they're, they're solid in the background. And we're the ones moving. But none of us experienced that. So they ha- they're still trying to, to basically erase away our experience and say, no, 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 you don't understand, you small, you know, infidel. How dare you actually look up and see that there's things moving above your head that you have no control over? No, that's not how it works. You're insignificant. 
and you're hurtling through an insignificant, massive, infinity-sized fucking thing that nobody can actually determine if there's a boundary condition to, but you're just an insignificant part of that. We're hurtling through nothingness right now. Duh. How do you not see that? And that's what they teach people. They don't (laughs) teach them their actual experience. They actually have gotten so far out. They've taken them so far out that now what we're up against, and I think what we're going to see in this generation is people are going to realize that their daily experience does not match the model. And the reason why I think we're going to get there is the system doesn't work. So if the system that upholds all these theories and ideas is falling apart, then all those ideals can also be reassessed. We can reevaluate everything we've been told. We can reeducate ourselves based on our actual experience. And right now we're trapped in books. We're trapped in knowledge of authority that's come before us. So when we go to class, we learn from someone smarter than us because they can do circles around us mathematically like Feynman could do. He explained to a freshman class, <coughs> his last lecture was based on the, the elliptical motion of the earth and the planets around the sun. And he explained it in plain geometry, which nobody had ever been able to do simply before. He took it upon himself as a challenge to be able to explain all these heavenly motions, these really, really mathematically tough concepts. He explained them to a freshman class by using basic geometry and ellipse, uh, you know, uh, basically just ellipse math, really simple stuff. So when I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's pretty simple. I like the way he laid it out. So then I went back and read Mathematica Principia. I read Newton's original work. And it's hilarious because if you just read the first chapter, he basically said, anybody stupid enough to believe what I'm about to lay down is a fool. <laughs> and then he spends 200 pages just writing off a bunch of math. I'm not joking. Read it. The first huh. chapter, he's like, you're literally a retard if you believe anything that comes after this statement. But if somebody is going to think that, well, this is the, we'll go this way. I'm brilliant enough. I'll do some circles around all you fools mathematically. And then when I'm done, I'll dazzle you with so much bullshit. You're going to think you're going to spend the next two, 300 years trying to prove me right. <laughs> and that's what we've been doing. It's like well, I told you this before. I have a friend who's a mathematician. And he said, you know, we were driving to a martial arts uh, seminar. And he goes, you know that the math that used they used to get us to the moon was actually just basic Newtonian math. And I was like, what do you, and back then I didn't know what he was talking about. It's really simple math. They figured out how to, to, to do their whole supposed flight path and everything. Well, then you start looking at it and go, well, wait a minute. If they didn't go to the moon, let's just propose that maybe it's a possibility they didn't go. Then that means that that math might not actually work. That might not be a real place that they supposedly went to. And if that's the thing, then that all that math that's written out is just Narnia land because it doesn't <laughs> exist unless we can empirically prove it. Well, there's a lot and of that's ifs. where I've come is like, well, I, yeah, there's I'm a lot of ifs in the that. chink in the arm, you know? So, yeah, I mean, who knows? But uh, but there is another thing like the Voyager anomaly is uh, is another thing that's sometimes pointed to when they're like, well, we don't quite have this math right yet. Because, OK, I mean, I guess if they didn't mm-hmm. go to the moon, then maybe they didn't send these Voyager things out. But my sense of it is that they did. This is one of the things that we disagreed about from time to time. And, uh, you know, they they had a predicted path for the Voyager spacecraft and, and it didn't follow that path. So they, that's been one of the things pointed to from time to time saying, hey, there's something else going on out there. But yeah, it's definitely true that 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 mm-hmm. lost in mathematics is a big problem, you know, because there's a sort of like on a very basic level, the the attitude is, OK, well, because science, you know, and if anyone goes, yeah, but and then they go, well, because math, you know, 
that's yeah. that's basically right. the whole thing. And and math is really not. There's so many ways in which math is not the story. It just uh, it gets back to the, exactly what we we're talking about before, like taking this conceptual framework as if it were real. It's just a conceptual framework. It's a description like anything else. And the description is always going to be a, a reduction of what's actually going on. You know, we maybe get some part of it right, but there's pieces of it that are missing because that's what a description does is it it makes it limits the the realm so that you can understand something. And you have to do that in order to understand something. Something has to be left out of the picture. Otherwise, you can't understand it. And so whatever is it's left out of any particular description, that's the problem with it. Mm. So it's kind of inherent to us. I think there's a guy who actually proved that, that this was a problem within all mathematical systems. He, he points out that there's no such thing as a system that could uh, be full, that could take account of everything. And that that's right. no matter how it is you design a system, it's always going to have its faults, which just means that after a while it has to be rebuilt. And that's kind of what we're really driving at here is that, yeah, clearly this system has some major faults. Everyone's aware of that. And so there's a lot of resistance to reconsidering some of the basics, you know, because if you get down into the into the no one wants to get into, you know, the transmission of the thing. You know, that's why there are guys who specialize in transmissions. You know, the, mm -hmm. so if you if you're really getting into like the the bowels of this thing, everyone's like, nah, just leave it alone. We don't want to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't. But at a certain point, you got to. Well, that that'll happen when academia uh, is no longer is, uh, serving its purpose. When the validity leaves, and people realize that to um, get a degree in lesbian dance theory may not be um, everything it's cracked up to be, right? So like, I'm a big fan of applied sciences, material applied sciences. Those are ones that I have tremendous respect for because if you wanna build a parking garage that won't collapse upon itself, I want nerds designing and building that shit, okay? I want it to be done correctly. When it comes to things that I will never get to experience in education, like the Narnia land and all these areas that they go into, all the theories and all that stuff, that's it's it, it's good. It does progress our thinking on it. But I always come back to the real world. Like what results are we getting? So let's take, for instance, the sheer sure. amount of embodied energy and of money that we spend on uh, let's, let's call it military spending. Let's call it space travel, all this stuff. Hundreds of billions, if not trillions, go into that, that that money, if it is real, that money that's being put in there could be turned and used to actually come up with sustainable farming practices more renewable energy for your, the location you live in. Um, just finding ways to make the world generally a better place. It's actually super cheap to do compared to all that. And so that's how I kind of gauge things that have an authenticity towards a, making the world a better place. So that's why I'm against essentially war and the military. Even though I train in a martial art that I would consider myself on a warrior path, I will not seek war. What I've learned in the 25 years of training is that a real warrior is his his aim is to end war, not by going out and waving flags, but to have the peace within yourself to not promulgate more war, more struggle, more discontent. And then we see the authority above us doing the direct opposite. They're actually storming off to war all the time. And that tells me what I need to know about their system. It tells me I don't need to listen to their system, their theories. But when we come back to the applied sciences, I want to drive a car that stops when I hit the fucking the brake. Like we need that. 
That's super good. Right. Right? But yeah. everything else that's all theory, I can chuck it aside and make up my own goddamn mind. And I think that that's scary for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm, they don't want to go there. They don't want to examine or explore and make up their own mind. They want to just be fine with what smarter people than them have figured out. Right. Well, uh, you know, God willing, there's room for all of us in this. And, you know, they'll there'll be uh, room for us to continue to dissent, although it sure looks like that's not the way they want it to go. You know, there there is, I guess, in the conspiracy mindset of things, this idea that there's a breakaway civilization and that basically, you know, the people who have uh, who have hoarded all the stuff for themselves and their minions are uh, going to kind of shut down the rest of us and they're going to go their own way on a separate venture. And so they're really not all that interested in whether or not our car works That's anymore it. or anything like that. They're just trying to like keep us busy fighting amongst ourselves while they get the final pieces in play. And, and then it's God knows what, you know, but it seems like a likely scenario, you know, when you take a look at what's going on. If I told you about my lost continent theory that I have going right now. I don't know, but yeah, let's, uh, let's hear about it. Well, here's in a nutshell, just because it's it's a massive topic. So I'll just throw this at you. So you, it's food for thought. Um, in you know that I'm a complete and utter psycho when it comes to what I think about the. So I think that not only has the Earth that we live on been misdescribed, I think that the current mapping systems that we have, the cartography and the technology we have to map the Earth, I think that there's a lot that's been left out, and so. With that, that opens the possibility that once you start exploring how the maps have actually been made and the Earth has been laid out for us to visually see, um, whether it's Google Earth, whether it's navigation with ships or um, jets that commercially fly or military flies around. When you start looking at how we've been shown the Earth, I think that there's a bunch of missing area and there's a possibility and I think this from an electromagnetic standpoint, I think that we live in a quadrupole world. I think that if you really look at what the yin-yang and what the Taoist, and I, I am not going to speak for the Taoist, but if you look at the yin-yang, essentially what you've got is this ebbing and flowing of energy that never starts or ever stops. And then you've got these two little spheres of opposing colors inside of the bulk of those two swirling energies. And I think that that's a, a representation of the earth energy and the toroidal energy field that we exist in as the world that I have come to know it for myself. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you need to see it that way or anybody else, but I think that we live in a place that's absolutely electromagnetically built. Everything works off of those principles in the physical level, in the metaphysical and spiritual. <clears throat> I don't know how that works because I can't go there. I have ideas spiritually, but there's no way I can put them into words. But with all that, when you start looking at how the world's been laid out and then you overlay it with how the real physical world actually works, I think that there's a whole section in our probably larger, I would say, at the South Atlantic slash Indian Ocean, I think there's a massive chunk of land that's down there that is not on any map anywhere. And the reason why I think that is because our whole world, I think, has been misdescribed. Um, but it, it actually physically works. And then if you you look, look to people who actually understand how to map things correctly. <clears throat> what, you're, what you'll find is there's a lot of theories on how to map things, but there is no actual perfect way to map like a coastline to determine how big the coastline of Florida is. There's been numerous attempts to get an accurate kind of 
how many miles is this coastline? And you can literally have divergent numbers that are so big that it's like laugh out loud, like tens of thousands of miles in difference just because of different measuring systems. <clears throat> so that tells me that we're pretty poor at measuring things. But what we've been told is that, no, 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 we got satellites flying around and they're super accurate and they got everything down to an inch. And they can look at a postage stamp from fucking space. I'm like, no, they can't. And then when you say that, people go, no, they, they can, they can, they can. I, I go, show me the evidence. And you're going to laugh out loud when you actually look for the evidence that there's something that can actually do this. And here's a little thought experiment for you. Um, do yourself a favor and go on Google Earth. Okay. If you have Google Earth Pro, get the best one you can. And what I want you to do is I want you to look at Lake Tahoe because Lake Tahoe is about 40. I want to say it's like 40 miles um, as far as its outer width, like length across, right? So 40 miles, let's say, at its longest points. You zoom in on it, you look at it, and then you zoom all the way out. And supposedly Google Earth, at least the one that the model that I used, I think it went out 40,000 miles. I think it's how far out they let you zoom from Earth, right? So look at Lake Tahoe and then zoom out slowly until you can't see Lake Tahoe anymore. Okay? And then look at how far that is on Google Earth. And then what I want you to do is I want you to know that the Aristarchus crater on the moon that's visual, you can see it with the naked eye. And also with my super zoom camera, I can zoom right in and look at it. Well, it's 40 miles wide based on the accounts of the people who said they went there. And you can see it 238,000 miles away. So something's not right. And so maybe Google Earth got it wrong and they don't represent what it really looks like to zoom away 40,000 miles. Um, but I think that the physical reality is different than what we've been shown and we live in a dream world. So when you test these things and then you come to find out you do have an atmosphere to, you have an atmosphere to account for on earth. So there's going to be a, you know, and that can change radically. So, you know, there's right. points where you can barely see a few miles above, you know, so I don't know to what extent that that's taken into account in Google earth, but you know, I mean, well, it's a, I, I think I mean, that, it's a, it's a cartoon. You know, where we could agree on this, I think, would be that uh, clearly the representation of things is always like we were just discussing before. It's a system. It's a way of looking at things and it's going to be leaving stuff out. And then, of course, there are a variety of reasons why they wouldn't want to leave other stuff out, even if it could be part of that system. So we can imagine you know, quite easily that there, you know, I mean, even if you're going to tell kind of a mainstream narrative and say, well, there's military bases they're going to want to leave out, right? Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, missile silos and stuff like that. There's, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that's not going to be on there. And then, you know, I think that really when it comes down to it, the capture that happens in the digital domain just makes all of that so much more manipulable. So at any point, they could shift any data point in any direction they want to that's if right. there's enough of a reason to do so. You know, and, and so, you know, yeah, we are living in, 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 you know, if we're if we're taking these things as being real, that's a real problem, you know, but they they may be still useful to some extent. And some of these systems are, you know, kind of like the guy who knows how to put the car together. Right. There is a degree of that. Right. There's always a certain degree of tolerances. Right. So if it's done right, some of this stuff can be laid out reasonably well. But there are all kinds of reasons why we're probably not getting the pure product, you know? Well, one of the things that you just made me think of that um, when I was talking about Google Earth, 
think of the compliance that has and the coordination that has to be set up with the militaries of the world and a tech giant. Because who got with Google and right. said, well, if you're really looking down everything, you're going to see these things that we don't want you to see. Well, did China call Google up and say, hey, by the way, we don't want these to be shown. And then Russia called up. That means that Google's in bed with all the world's militaries and they're all coordinating somehow. I mean, think about that's fucked up. Like, that's some pretty deep shit. Another way of looking at it is that they've got the information on everyone, you know, so they're kind of like, oh, yeah, we see what you're doing there. We see what you're doing there. And so in a certain sense, I think that what's really happening here is that governments don't don't have as much power as these gigantic tech companies. That's right. You know, the tech companies really they're the information is power. Right. So they're the ones who really are running the show right now. And it's pretty obvious that everyone's always talking about, oh, yeah, you know, uh, social media changed the election and blah, blah, blah. It's like. Of yeah. course, yeah. you know yeah. they're the ones. They're the ones with the power, you know, and I, and they're changing the governments too. Like I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure that, that you can't sneeze in a government without these guys, you know, giving it the go ahead. At this point, I don't know. I'm not sure how far it's gone yet, but I'm pretty sure that the nation state is over. Yeah, no, I would agree 100. Um, yeah, man, it, it's what's interesting to me. Like if if you think about it from a nuts and bolts perspective, let's say you're the guy that started Google, and you got a bunch of dudes, you're a bunch of nerds, and you start up Google. And then, you know, the internet starts to build and things become, <clears throat> you get more successful, you get more power, you start building more banks of computers all over the country to store all this information and let people, you know, computers work faster and the technology keeps growing. At some point, there has to be an authority that says, hey, by the way, you are basically capable of doing a massive amount of harm. Like, you can control an election. You could start a war. If Google decided to, they could just guide people down a path. And they obviously are doing that to some degree. It's not completely organic when we search things, right? It's not just honest and, oh, I'm yeah. going to Google something. And then they always give you a recommendation. And then God knows what they're actually showing you versus what may actually be there. <clears throat> but at what point was there a dad in the room that said, hey, um, actually, the government's the one in charge here and you got to follow our rules. It seems like that just got left behind and Google became a, I hate using the word global, but essentially a worldwide force. And now they're just daddy. Yeah. Like who's the actual authority in this? <laughs> oh, you can or can't do that. And I don't think anybody knows who's controlling this thing. Like, I don't think there is anybody. I, I think they've been kind of pushed out of China to some extent. You know, I know that they, they made a bunch of concessions in order to be able to operate in China, but I think in many respects, what we're seeing are, kind of competing AIs between Google and, and the Chinese at this point. I think that that's kind of how it's mapping out in general. And, you know, we're, we're having these, uh, these discussions within the hallowed halls of government now about, you know, the overreach of these tech companies, but it's being uh, framed in such a way where really what is going to happen probably is that free speech is going to be banned. That seems to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's how they've they've managed to pretend that they're actually controlling these tech giants when in reality what they're doing is they're giving them license to censor. So, you know, <laughs> here <Yeah>. we are. <laughs> it's a modern book burning. They're doing, they're doing it. Yeah, they're doing it in a in a really slick way. What they've done is they've they figured out how to get their hooks in to the emotional body of this current generation where everybody has feelings everybody's ready to be offended everybody's a victim looking for an oppressor and unfortunately the blowback 
for these for these woke SJWs is that the alpha males and alpha females the the ones with actual real like fortitude spiritually not just physically I'm not saying they can punch your face in like duh that that's that's kind of passe in my opinion I know that that our current society is looking like they're all riled up and ready to do violence I I think it's the opposite I think the media is pinpointing in on a small group of idiots <laughs> they televise them and the rest of them are going fuck they're everywhere they're not I mean most people don't want to do harm yeah. there's some small group that do but I really think that right now the alpha human, the ones who lead by example with character, with heart, with um, empathy and consideration for others, that's the alpha I'm talking about. I'm not talking about these weak people who uh, think about this with the protests. Okay, no matter what side of the fence people are on with Black Lives Matter or whatever, um, people clearly showed up for a long period of time. That tells me two things. They got nothing else to do and they don't have a job. That's what it tells me. So. I'm not against them protesting, but get a fucking job. <laughs> Do something to benefit yourself and others instead of just waving a flag and saying, duh, we're stating the obvious. You know, it's like a protest stating the obvious. It's like protests don't work. They, 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 to some point, they piss people off and they maybe wave flags enough, but they always pass. You know, like there's a guy and God bless him. He drives an old VW bus. And he's been standing outside of the courthouse in Corvallis since the Gulf War started. And he goes there like literally probably nights a week and just stands huh. waves of anti-war cardboard signs say, you know, basically like um, food, not bombs and stuff like that. And he's down there with some old gray hair here in Corvallis and God bless him. Like he really yeah. believes that that's getting and people honk at him still to this day. Honk, you know, yeah, no war, yeah. you know, and I'm like. You missed the boat, bro. Like it, fuck. It doesn't work. The guy just—I think it's a social circle for him. It's a way to just know that every week he's going to be in the same place. Well, and, I don't know. I think it's also his spiritual. Uh, you know, he's just like, okay, I'm not going to just do nothing, and I can't think of anything else to do. I remember seeing that guy out there, and every now and then, some other people would join him, and it was typically, yeah, the gray hair crowd, because you know, at a certain point, it's like, yeah, we're committed to these principles. And a lot of people get disillusioned for good reason because it doesn't do a freaking bit of good. But, you know, there's some characters just like, I don't care. I don't care whether it does any good or not. I'm going to just stand out there and say what I feel needs to be said. On some level, I feel like uh, that's the Assembly Silence Radio Hour too. You know, that that on some level, I'm not really sure if this is going to do a freaking bit of good. Probably won't. You know, it's not, not a lot of uh, viewership and what have you, but... Um, Damn it! Every month I'm going to put out there something that I think is uh, worth considering. There's a lot of stuff that's worth considering, so let's consider it. And yeah, maybe it's a losing battle and what have you, but you know. And I agree with you that, that when it comes to what people think it is that they're out there demonstrating for, quite often that's not what's going to be the result. But there's other things that can be, you know, accomplished <laughs> when large numbers of people get out into the streets. And, you know, right now we are having, you know, we're basically seeing the demolition of our economy. So a lot of people couldn't work even if they wanted to. You know, uh, on the other hand, there are some jobs that, that, that no one wants to do. <laughs> you know, so so it's a it's a very strange environment because, yeah, definitely there's a lot of people who could be doing something if they wanted to, but they don't want to. So it's a very, very bizarre, you know, and, and if the destruction of the economy continues, man. Mm hmm. It's well, it's, it's uncharted territory for us. We've been living in a dream world 
our whole lives. Like we, as our parents did things, they made money and we thought that that was the real system. And what we're seeing right now is a dissolution of that system, a controlled, it's a controlled demolition of a system that had been propped up. And I think like to your point and kind of back to the, the lost continent theory I have, I believe that we've finally through the, the fake fiat currency, they've been able to the banksters or whoever, the old money families, the quiet ones, they basically figure they've gotten to the point where the technology is organically grown and been in the place where now we don't need money because the incentivization is now going to be different. They're going to change it because it never was real to begin with. The question is going to be, are we going to go mm. kicking and screaming or are we going to accept it? And the way that they're currently trying to get us to accept it, I, I'm not really down with. I don't really like the idea right. of an overarching control system um, that removes human freedom and human autonomy. That doesn't seem fun to me. But I also think like astrologically and spiritually, energetically right now, yeah. we're being faced with a, a choice. Humanity can either go to the path of letting somebody else make decisions for them or we can grow up and say no, because that's all it takes is p- enough people just saying, no, we're not going to do that. But the problem is, is that we're all in a cult. We all have a be- we've been taught belief systems that really are they're like Santa Claus and, and uh, Narnia. Like, really, if you think about most religions, the core teachings of them are beautiful and pure and they they help you lead a better life. But then what happens is those are control systems that are Narnia. Like the story of any saint or any prophet, they're stories, they're archetypal stories that are beautiful and they tell you something about your own journey in life, but are they actually factually true? Who cares? It's the result that matters. So when you look at this, the overarching control structure right now, trying to bring down the economy, they don't care what the story is. They'll put any story in there they want. And so our job right now is to quit buying into these stories and live in the real world right now, like literally grow food. Find a clean source of water, know your neighbors. That's what's actually going to matter when the economy does whatever it's going to do. Because if we go to like, let's say a cashless society where everybody's on a credit score, which China's obviously implemented you know, in some areas, I can't speak to the whole country, but they're clearly practicing this right now. Um, that's not the world I want to live in. So I will do everything I can to not participate into that. But some people will be like, sweet, I don't have to pull my card out at the grocery store. And I just scan my face. You know, it's like we're working towards a place where like right now I have to go to work and they have to aim a thermometer at my forehead to check my temperature before I can walk through the into the building. That's what our our uh, owner has instituted. And you know what I feel like? And this is going to sound really fucked up, but this is how I feel. I feel like a Jew in Nazi Germany with a gun to my head. I feel like. We are now we've we have instead of just shooting people in the mm-hmm. face, we're we're literally demoralizing people. We're putting masks on, looking like bandits. So, you know, I was at the grocery store buying or I was at the mini mart buying beer and everybody's wearing bandit masks. And I, I said out loud when people were standing in line, they go, this is the only time in history where the, you're, the guy not wearing a mask is a bad guy in a gro- in a convenience store. And everybody kind of laughed. And I said, dude, we are being mind fucked. Like, it's not right. Something's not right, right? And so with the collapse of the economy, it's like everybody knows this isn't right. It doesn't feel right. But yet we're just kind of like going along because nobody knows what to do. So I come back to basic principles, food, water, shelter, and good humans around you. Like, that's what's actually going to liberate human beings to just live their own lives. And these systems can follow their own weight without having destructive 
energies. We don't need to see riots in the street. We need to grow some food. We need to know where food actually comes from because it doesn't come from. Yeah, I mean, God willing, we'll have the opportunity to do something like that. We'll see. But of course, you know, if the planet is uh, populated with, let's say, close to 8 billion people, most people aren't going to have that opportunity. So we have to keep that in mind. And I think it's also worth bearing in mind that there's a pretty good chance that part of the reason why the United States is being taken down the way it is is because we were a bubble way outside of what the average was in, on on this planet. So, you know, we were living uh, a lifestyle, uh, uh, you know, that was, let's say, just hmm. unfair when it came to the rest of the world. And uh, and so bringing us back in line with what's happening in the rest of the world makes sense from a global management point of view. And uh, yeah, don't like it, you know, but uh, on the other hand, I didn't like the fact that, that we were so flagrantly consuming and, uh, and having these horrible fucking uh, military actions that destroyed mm -hmm. the lives of millions of people. Uh, so that we could maintain our supply chains, uh, you know, fossil fuel, the whole deal, you know, like the, the fact that our country thought it was OK to do that stuff, uh, you know, many of us didn't, you know, so many of us were at least ethically aligned with the man standing outside in front of the courthouse still. Mm -hmm. But we were unsuccessful at preventing what occurred. And so to some extent, you know, we we are all bearing the burden of the sins of our nation. And 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 basically, you could say, I, I don't think that any nation can uh, commit uh, unjust and immoral military action without suffering the consequences. Agreed. And so it's like. You know, the the you know, the, the son suffers the consequences of the sins of the father. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a it's it's a horrible thing. In some ways, it's really not fair because I do believe that most Americans were against these these military actions, even from the get go. And I think obviously increasingly so as it went on, you know, but we're like pretty much 20 years into some pretty horrible stuff. And mm -hmm. uh and people are talking about health care. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. it's almost been forgotten that this is what the the wealth of the nation has been poured into. And so I do think that, you know, whatever it is that we're going to suffer in many respects, it's deserved. It's, it's particularly because supposedly we're a democracy, which in some <laughs> respects, you know, that is also what we've lost in the process. Or at least it's been pointed out to us that it really isn't one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could say along the way, at every point, whenever the people were had the wrong, <laughs> the wrong point of view, the leadership was just like, well, fuck it, we're going to do the way we wanted to do anyway. And that's right. just gotten more and more obvious. You know, they just got more blatant about it. Yeah, um, God, I have so many thoughts there that just passed in my brain. Um I think that you're 100% right, right? The, the energy has to go somewhere. So it's swinging back. You know, we have swung our big stick long enough and we did it pretty blindly, I think, from a spiritual perspective. When 
like you said, most people sitting at home don't want to see a war. They don't want to send their, you know, their sons and daughters off to a, a, a thing that doesn't, it, it doesn't have any, you know, meat on the bones. It doesn't have any truth behind it. Like my grandfather died this last year or in 2020, right? He's 97 years old, World War II vet, airborne guy. And, you know, to me, he's a, he's a absolute, you know, example of how to just live an upright life, be a good person, be tough as hell get shit done. Don't complain, go to work. Like he's a man and I love it. I love that. He's that he's the old guard. You don't see that in your day to day very often anymore. Somebody that actually stood up for what he actually thought he wasn't, he didn't waffle, but he was intelligent enough to say, no, I was wrong on that one. I've changed my mind. Um, he went to war literally, you know, Pearl Harbor was attacked and seven days later he was in a recruiting station. Cause that was as soon as he could get to one. And then he gets in a bad car wreck, has a car roll over him because he got thrown out. The car crushed his hips, broke them all mm. up. He was in the hospital for six months. The day he gets oh. out of the hospital, he goes down to another recruiting station and signs up again. And that's when he oh. got into the airborne. Whoa. This guy was bound and determined to go off to war because back then it was in the newspapers and on the radio that we were attacked. Simple. That was wrong. So we got to go do something about it. Now the landscape has changed completely. So now it's like, hey, for your college, if you just sign up in the National Guard, don't worry, the odds of you going to war are really low. Bullshit. Everybody goes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's gotten to the point now where it's, it's literally insane to me if you're thinking that what we've currently done with our military force is somehow justified. It's insane. It's insanity to think that. You know, like this year has proven to me that we have to find our humanity um, we've got to stand up for what we truly think is right. And if we disagree with somebody and they're pro-war, they, they think that honestly fighting for freedom and stand up for democracy while we drop bombs on innocent people in foreign countries that have shit we want, if that's somehow okay and they can justify it, well, that's their business, but it's not right. There's no way it's right. It yeah. couldn't be right. I mean, we're intelligent people. We know that there's no excuse to justify killing innocent people. They're just not. It's hard to imagine. You know, so it's hard to imagine that anyone would defend that point of view unless they had something to benefit from, unless they were personally yeah. benefiting from it. It's really hard to imagine that anyone would actually defend that. Yeah. You know, in some ways, you could say that the the, the military-industrial complex is like a parasite on the side of this country that's just sucked all the lifeblood out of it. You know, pretty much against the will of the people, yeah. and that our lifeblood has been sucked for that horrible parasitic thing which which you know the the goals you know maybe every now and then there's a table scrap that's thrown the way of the american people as a result of these things but basically it's just put money in the pocket of people who already have plenty of money yeah 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 and that's that's the other thing well so uh, again and I, I i say the lost continent theory but really what i'm alluding to is Clearly, this energy, this money that is funneling to somewhere, it's not just sitting in bank accounts somewhere, right? So the richest people in the world, the multi-multi-multi-billionaires, the trillionaires, the banksters, all that. So where is this energy actually going? Is it sitting in a bank account mm. or is it actually building something? <laughs> so I, I think, like you say, if there was a breakaway civilization or something because they know that there's something coming that's going to be tough to deal with, call it cataclysm, call it the great cycle. You know, this earth works in cataclysmic cycles. Maybe there is something big, you know, within the next hundred years that they've been really trying to preserve their family lines and protect the best they can. And they figured out you can't do that overtly. You can't just build a castle on top yep. of the hill because they can see you up there. 
they'll run up and they'll get you. So my lost continent theory goes to that, where maybe there's just a place that people have already gone or visit and go to, and maybe that's why all that energy has flowed up to that, to build something that we're not even conscious of. I don't well, know. You know. There's there's all these rumors about shit happening in uh, at the South Pole. Is it the South Pole? Is it Antarctica or is it the North Pole? I think it's the South Pole. I think it's Antarctica. There's, so there's rumors of... You know, like every uh, probably every president except Trump got got brought down there for some reason or another. Like there's some kind of activity happening. I who knows? I have no clue. But I've heard these rumors. Maybe who knows? You know, maybe the, and there was like a breakaway breakaway civilization that started 50, 60 years ago or something like that. That's all fully developed, ready to go. And they're just kind of getting their flying saucers ready and what have you. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. It could be. Well, think of, so think about whenever a celebrity, a really famous celebrity commits suicide. I've had this theory and I don't think it's correct. It's just I have to entertain it every once in a while, like the 27 Club. Right. I think that some of these guys are like, ah, you're too talented. Get on down here. You know, like we got a little spot for you down here. You know, we're just going to go ahead and erase you and you are kick it down here. And you can like Jimmy could play the rest of his career just jamming for these super dope people that let him live in paradise. But he has to give up his earthly world here where he's known and he's famous. But he goes to the real world, the place where they've solved all the problems. There is no money. There's just hookers and blow everywhere. It's awesome, you know. And so <laughs> I, I, I say that crassly because I know it's not true. But if you don't even entertain the idea that there's a possibility that there's things we don't know, then we're going to accept everything at face value. We're going to accept what the media shows us as the real world. Yeah, it's kind of like everything else, you know, ultimately, ultimately, it's anyone's guess, right? We don't know when it comes to these things. We don't know. Certainly possible. I would totally, I go with you on that. Yeah, I think it's a dumb <laughs> idea, but it, it still crosses my mind time to time when I, when I see, um, like somebody, somebody that I really like, liked watching in a movie, let's say, let's Robin Williams, take that. Like to me, a lot of fun. I thought he brought a lot of light in the world and then to find out that he commits suicide, bothers me so then i say well maybe he's not dead maybe he's just someplace else where he could actually you know in the breakaway he's he's in that other world but no he probably just hung himself right that's probably what happened but the media mm -hmm. seems to have everything so pretty packaged i don't know what to believe anymore at all um i think yeah. that um back to back to politics real quick i think trump was the best thing that's ever happened to us in our lifetime because he showed <laughs> everybody that this is just a shit show reality tv show and it's not real and that's why everybody mm. got so riled up is because we are holding on to this thing like it's real and he came in and showed everybody i'm an idiot and i'm gonna fucking ruin everything and you're gonna go kicking and screaming <laughs> but he exposed everything without even knowing he was the fool and he exposed everything so now we see that it's all fake we see that everything's bullshit because he was bullshit and he ran the country I mean, it's so mind blowing to me how polarizing he made it for people. I live in a community. I'm a liberal Democrat because I live with a bunch of liberal Democrats. That's where everybody is down here. They don't realize that I'm a libertarian that doesn't believe in politics. I just want the government to get the fuck out of my business. And I just laugh when people are like red team, blue team back and forth. I see these peaceful little hobbit kind of people in Corvallis get red in the face when they hear anything that Trump has said. They, they're ready to be violent. I'm like, that's how polarizing these people are or how polarized people have been. I'm like, that's not the real world, man. You know, it's a game. 
you're at a sporting event and they're, they, they have a scoreboard up there and you're like, you're just sitting on the edge of your seat, hoping that your team scores. That's what politics is. That's all it is. It's a show. Yeah. There's real power, real effects, but it's just a K-Fab. Yeah. Breads and circuses. Yep. Professional wrestling, yeah. man. Breads and circuses. Professional wrestling is actually way better than politics because <laughs> it actually shuts off. It runs for three hours and then it shuts off for a week. You know, I mean, that's the way they should do politics. Is just show us a little bit and then go the, get the fuck away. We'll see you next week at the same time. <laughs> well, I can't think of a better way to wrap about a, a, an awesome hour of conversation, man. That was fucking beautiful. Well, so we went all over the place, and I apologize to everybody who listens to this, and I apologize to you for eating a bunch of mushrooms and going to bed way too late and not being coherent. The next time we talk, uh, I say I w- I'll be way more coherent and we can actually have a train of thought and pick some topics instead of just me listening to ramble. So I apologize for that. <laughs> no, dude, that's your, no apologies are necessary at all. I would actually like to, if we do something in the future, even if we just talk on the phone, I would like to hit some just topics. So like we pick a bullet okay. point and then we just wrap right off of that. So that way it's less stream of conscious and more stays topical to something that way there is an actual title you could put on the podcast about <laughs> oh know, like i'll, I'll find a title man i mean yeah okay. the titles are no problem i like the freewheeling thing that's mo- most of the most of the stuff i do is totally freewheeling it goes all over the place and that's the way i like it because let's face it one thing leads to another you know and, and when you're describing things and trying to like isolate them off into their own little domain and really drill down on it, it you're ignoring all that other shit that could fly off the and bring you somewhere else. And in some ways, you know, the mind really is something that is connected in this very three-dimensional way where it goes from here to here to here to here. And that's the best way of kind of getting some kind of a grip of what's going on. So I love it this way. And I thought that everything you said was beautiful, even though there's a few things I disagree with. That's the way it always is. And uh, I love you, man. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I hope we'll do this again. I'll let you know when it's up there. If you have topics that you want to drill down on, keep a list, send them to me. I'll keep them in a file and we can do that and see what that's like. Uh, but this was beautiful, man. And I think you should call back your friend and it's awesome to see you. And thanks for doing this. Real pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and much love to you. And uh, yeah, next time I'll be a little bit more coherent. How's that? You were pretty, <laughs> I'll do my best. You were pretty fucking coherent, dude. You were pretty coherent. Uh, it was great alright All right, brother thanks for having me I appreciate it thanks for listening we look forward to serving you again soon in the meantime remember turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home